Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, thank you for joining me today as we all continue on our new normal. And perhaps you are listening to my podcast for the first time. So thank you for joining me. Let me tell you about my guest today. Her name is Dr. Gianna Kendall. She is the Chief Product Acquisitions Officer for the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. Welcome to the show, Gianna. Thank you so much, Marcia. I truly appreciate you having me here today. Me? I'm so excited. You know, I've, I kind of like to start all of my shows the same way, frankly. I think it's great for people to know something about my guests. So I thought you could just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, your family, your education, anything that you think that we would like to know about you. It's all yours. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Well, I was born in Mississippi, and my parents moved to California when my brother and I were quite young, less than, actually, I think he was kindergarten, and I was younger than him by a couple of years. And then after moving here to California, my parents had two additional children. So, yes, I am one of four. I am the first girl and the oldest girl, and I have two brothers as well. I completed my bachelor's degree at Cal State University, Dominguez Hills, and did my graduate work at Pepperdine. And what's kind of interesting, I love, love, love to learn. And recently I decided to take up sign language. So I have, even though the class has been postponed because of the virus, but I am going online and kind of learning the basics. And I also possess a divinity degree and have been invited to teach at a local school of divinity. So it's kind of my life. I'm a person who loves to learn and who's always trying to figure out what else is there out what else is there that I would like to know about. My son tells me all the time, he says, Mom, you know, leave some learning for someone else and I said, Why? It's enough for everybody <laughs> You know, it's so it's so interesting, um, about sign language. You you can't live in California the city, particularly of Los Angeles or the surrounding areas, and not be caught up when our mayor, Gavin Newsom, is speaking and we are watching the sign language of those people that are providing that to our deaf community. And this woman, her name is Ronnie Burton. She has... She, uh, no, I, it's Rory Burton, I'm sorry. She is, you, I can't take my eyes off of her. She is so theatrical that it, I can see where sign language is, is so important. And I just, it, just, it struck me as uh, humorous that, um, that you're taking that up and that you love to learn. But it shouldn't surprise me because I think what, <laughs> what I think is funny, funny, 
is how it is that, that you and I even met because this is just how it works in my world, and I think it probably works the same in yours. I had gone out for lunch with a friend of mine that I've known for a very, very long time. He lives here in the community with his family, and we are also in the Sunrise um, Playa Vista uh, Rotary Club together, Venice uh, Playa Vista Rotary Club. And so we went out and we ate lunch and blah, blah, blah. And now he says, you know, I need to walk you to your car. I said, no, you don't. He says, I'm a gentleman. I need to walk you to your car. I said, okay, look, at, I can see my car. It's right over there. Go. I, I'm fine. So he turned around and he walked away. And what did I do? I started to stumble over one of those concrete bumpers that you have where you park cars in this big, giant parking lot. And I started to fall. I didn't fall but I, I did lose my balance, and there you were, way over there going, are you okay? And I'm going, well, that was nice. I don't know that lady. Now, that lady happened to think that maybe she knew me just from the distance, and as I got closer, she realized, no, that's not who she thought I was, but it wouldn't have mattered because at this point, now you and I are face-to-face, and I said, how kind of you to ask if I was okay because – that's my fear. My fear at, at, in those days, those couple of months ago when we met, was the fear of falling. And I mentioned to you that that's a fear of mine and that I have a two-story home and that I'm very careful about not falling, that I live alone, that I'm a widow. You looked at me and you said, mm, yeah, I have a two-story home and I live alone and... I'm a widow. And that's how it started. Oh my god, Gianna. It just went it just went on from there, didn't it? It did. As a matter of fact, I think I was about ten minutes late for my appointment because I was yes. enjoying our conversation so much and, and you said, Well you better go, you better go and I said, No, no, no. I am the client. They have to wait for me. But that's that I loved what it. How we became friends. Yes. Oh, it was what I called, what I referred to to some people, it was an instant like. We found out that not only did we have the commonality of that, and we shared our personal stories on how that happened in our personal lives, then somehow you, I was mentioning how, oh, you talked about my chucks and how you loved my chucks, and of course everybody knows that's my signature apparel. And then it was like, and I, my eye doctor, and you're pointing, I went, that's my eye doctor. It's like, okay, wait. And then somehow Toastmasters came up, and I went, "What? Wait, you, you're a Toastmaster too?" It just, I said, "I said, well, what do you do?" Per-? So now I'm pulling out my business card, right? And I'm saying, "Well, what do you do?" And so then you told me about the the, the regional food bank, and I went, "I had somebody from the Westside Food Bank." Oh, Bruce Rankin. I said, "Yeah, Bruce." It just it was just so crazy. I said, "Oh, honey, you have got to come on my show." So that was several months ago, and here we are. We're all brought up to date, and I just wanted to share that anecdotal thing about you and I and how we've come to know each other because it is totally awesome. And I I'm I'm grateful to know you. And now let's get on to the business of why you're joining me today. And when okay. when I look at your um when I look at your business card and it's it's in front of me and there's there's a PhD, there's the doctor in front of you, but there are also two other uh initials that follow your name. One is CPP and one is CFR. And frankly, 
I don't know what CPP and CFR stand for. What what do they stand for? Well, CPP stands for Certified Purchasing Professional. And I also, but I had to take it off my card because it took too much room, a Certified <laughs> Purchasing Grain Professional, which means that I'm also certified in procuring things for people that really are green, that are organic and things like that. And those two certifications were confirmed by the American Purchasing Society, which I've been a member of for a number of years. And you can actually earn a CPP through courses offered by some colleges and universities like Cal State University, Dominguez Hills, Go Toros, as well as the American Purchasing Society. And after completing that course and are working for a number of years in supply chain, then you're eligible to sit for that exam. Now, the CFR is certified in food resourcing, and that is an Amer- a Feeding America certification, which means that basically only people who are involved with Feeding America food banks can earn that. It probably only takes about 10 months to maybe a year to to attain that certification. There are things you have to do and tests you have to take. But I, and I'm the second group of I was in the second cohort of people that earned that certification. But I found out that many of my colleagues take up to five years just because it's a lot of work. But it's part of what wow. you do every day anyway. And so right. that's where those two initials came from. Interesting. Well, let's let's spend some time talking about the LA Regional Food Bank. There couldn't be a better time, frankly, to be talking about this subject. But let's get a little uh, history involved in that. Um, when did the LA Regional Food Bank open its doors? Okay. Well, that was a long time ago. It was in 1973, mm-hmm. and there was a chef who worked in Pasadena. His name was Tony Collier. And he was really concerned about the excess amount of food being thrown away, not just by the diners, but also by the people in the kitchen. And just kind of, he just thought it was really weird that they were throwing away perfectly good food. And so that's kind of where he got the idea to begin that this particular food bank. And so his first warehouse was in Pasadena because, of course, that's where he lived. And I believe it was a converted garage. And at that time, it was mostly canned and packaged foods. And like I said, that was in 1973. So, of course, since then, the food bank has grown exponentially. Uh, We have three adjacent warehouses in Los Angeles as well as an additional space in the City of Commerce. And last year, we distributed over 85 million pounds of food and groceries. And it's it's just so interesting because this year, we're going to even, we're going to top that. I just ran a report a few days ago, and so far, we've distributed about 16 million pounds of food. And when you kind of think about it like that, um, the last census says that there were 10.14 million people in L.A. County. So that means that just from January through March the 20th, we could have provided every single person in the, mm-hmm. in the county of Los Angeles with a full meal and threw in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich just to be on the safe <laughs> side in case they got hungry and needed a little snack. So if, just to be clear, um, 
So you provided 85 million pounds. Wait, yeah. 85. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening, talking, and writing notes all at the same time. <laughs> Foods and groceries. It was this in 2019. 2019, correct. So from January 1st through December 31st. 85 million is the word that I need to that I'm leaving out here is pounds. Pounds, yes. Pounds. Okay, 85, 85 million pounds. pounds of food and groceries in one year in 2019. Yes. Wow. Correct. That's a lot. Um, I'm just curious. Um, I know you have all these certifications. How long have you personally worked at the food bank? I began at the food bank 20 years ago, and I really didn't think, to be quite honest, that I was going to stay that long. And it was kind of a toss-up to figure out which job I was going to accept because there was the food bank job, and then there was another job that paid more money. But it was, like, in my opinion, not as interesting. It was actually mm-hmm. managing a logistics company in the city of Hawthorne. And I really kind of thought, should I do it? It's more money. It's probably easier work. And then something just told me, look, just go ahead, go to the food bank. If you don't like it, you can go back. You can get yourself another job. Don't worry about that. And so I ended up taking this job at the food bank, thinking I may stay there two years maximum. And here mm-hmm. I am 20 years later and still loving every day because the work that we do is so vitally important to the people that we serve. Well, what what got you there to start with? So 20 years ago and you thought, oh, I might give this a couple of years. Why, why did you go there to begin with? My mother had just retired and she was, she worked at Kaiser. And one of the things some of the doctors asked her, what are you going to do now that you're retired? And they tried to get her to come back and volunteer there. And she said, no, I'm going to do something to really help somebody that really can't help themselves. So she started volunteering at her church food pantry. And one day she came, she went home and she called me. I talked to my mom like most of us do, a couple, three times a day, those that are <laughs> have moms And you know, she said, you know, there's that food bank, that big food bank that we pick up from, and Reverend Finney told me that you should work there because they have this opening and you have a degree in marketing and you can really blow those numbers out of the wall. And I said, Mom, what does that have to do with me? And she said, you can be the person that brings in the food that way, so she's really thinking about herself, that way you can tell me in advance what's coming in so I can tell <laughs> Reverend Fetty and we can order it. And so I kind of looked at her and I said, Mom, really? And so she's like, yeah, I think it would be a cool job, something different. And she said, most importantly, it will almost be like we're working together. Aww. And so I thought about it. And I said, you know what, you're right. So I applied for the position. I did all the hoops that you have to do, especially when you work at a nonprofit. And mm-hmm. then they offered me the position. But at the during that same time, I was also going through this process of deciding whether or not to accept this job at the logistics company. And I really yeah. kind of liked that, you know, that company. I liked the people. 
And but I, I just something just compelled me just to mm-hmm. give it a try at this thing. So that's how I got there. So blame that on my mom. There you go. <laughs> well, bless her, right? If yeah. I, I I want people to know that, and we can mention this more than once during our our time together, because I have it up in front of me on my computer. If people want to know specifically about what you're doing, that website is L A foodbank.org, and I have that up in front of me as we are speaking and looking at all these beautiful smiling faces. I think it's good to know. I always like sharing this um, when I ask people, so what, what, is, what is the mission of your uh, regional food bank? Well, the mission is really simple. It's to mobilize resources to fight hunger in our community. And the big picture, the vision, is that no person in Los Angeles County goes hungry. And what makes that so compelling is that when you think of the 10-point-some-odd million people, probably more than that now, that really are at risk for hunger. Like when you and I say, oh, I'm so hungry, oh, I'm starving, we don't know what hungry and starving Mm -mm. is, you know. When you look at, we can go into our pantry or refrigerator or freezer and pretty much get a wholesome meal. But when you are at risk of hunger, you don't know where your next meal is coming from. You have to make a choice. Do I pay my electric bill or do I buy food? Do I get my prescription filled or can I go to the grocery store? So those are the people that we really help. So the food and grocery items that we receive every single day, and we're open Monday through Saturday, are really, you know, they really mean a lot to people in need. And one of my friends recently asked me, especially now that we're going through this pandemic and safer at home, she says, well, girl, you don't have to worry about anything. You've got millions of pounds of food and you have groceries at the food bank. And I told her, we cannot touch a thing. Everything that we bring in goes out to our agency partners who then distribute them to the people in need. Because we have a job. We're gainfully employed. We right. don't need that. Now, it might be more convenient for us to run into the warehouse and grab a few cancer packages of this. But, you know, when we sign on for that job, you know, we understand that it would be like me robbing somebody. So you could actually get terminated for taking something from the food bank mm-hmm. because it's not for us. It's for those in need. I, I'm certain that anyone that goes into this line of work and feels this as a calling, that would be the last thing that anybody would consider doing for that very reason that you've just described. That you you went in there to be of service, not to yourself but to others. So speaking of that, who who do you who does the LA Regional um, Food Bank who do you serve? Well, we are part of Feeding America, which is over 200 food banks throughout the entire United States. And every food bank that's affiliated with Feeding America has a service area. And our service area is Los Angeles County. So there was a newscaster years ago, probably before your time, and he would say, from the desert to the sea. And that's basically Mm -hmm. our service area. Mm -hmm. And we... 
we go from Lancaster to Long Beach. So every each of the 88 cities that make up L.A. County are served in some capacity by the food bank. And we don't serve them individually. We have agency partners, over 600, mm-hmm. that come to the food bank and actually pick up, and they're the ones who are on the ground serving the people. So they see the faces. I see. And that's good to know. And um what I what I heard you say is that um Feeding America and that's that's another really exceptional um website that I put that in my um my blog about our show that that's a place where if people are living somewhere else and are not near us that they can go to Feeding America and find that local food bank that's that's near them. So it's not like, you know, while, yes, you and I are regionally, we're neighbors, we saw each other physically, you know, we, we, we know each other, but not everybody that listens to this show is going to run into us in a parking, in a parking lot. So for people that are living in other parts of the country, um, it's very important that they recognize that Feeding America is across the U.S., and there are 200 food banks that are represented in in Feeding America. Did I understand that correctly? You absolutely did. Perfect. Okay. And you guys are open Monday through Saturday because that's your operating hours, and everybody should, you know, check into um, what what makes sense um, in theirs. But are you all... Because you're part of Feeding America, are you all basically structured the same? No. The cool thing about Feeding America is that they do not tell us how to structure ourselves. We, every single food bank is structured differently. We all have the same mission to feed people, but like for the LA Regional Food Bank, we you know, we do a fair amount of distribution through the community, but not as much as some food banks. The food bank in Seattle does 100% distribution. So they just bring, they pick up the food, and then they distribute it immediately through to the community. The way that L.A. works is that we bring the food in, and not just food, but grocery products. So I just kind of wanted to clarify what the difference is between Oh, food please, and that's products. good. Yeah. So food is anything, of course, that you can eat, you know. Grocery products would be your personal care items, the bleach, detergent, toilet tissue, lotion, things like that that you can also find in stores. And, you know, when people think of the food bank, they typically only think of food. But we receive everything. And now toilet tissue is a huge thing. And masks and gloves are, are things, you know, so that would be considered grocery. So it doesn't necessarily have to be strictly food. And we accept, you know, frozen food, dry food, cooler food. We have really increased the amount of produce that we have, you know, that we've been receiving. But basically the structure is this, that you have a team, and that's my team, which is the product acquisitions team, and we are responsible for procuring the food. We do have a budget where we will sometimes purchase food, and it depends on what's going on. Like right now, people are really logging on to our website, and they're they're making financial donations, which, of course, allows me to be able to purchase food by the truckload as opposed mm-hmm. to a pallet or a couple of cases or things like that. 
And so the structure is that we have our product acquisitions department, and we have every other department that would that a business needs. You know, we have our accounting department, we have our IT and things like that. But I always like to tell people that the product acquisitions part of what we do is the heart of the food bank. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, if there's no food and grocery product, it's just a bank. It could be any kind of a bank, you know. And so the, the difference between the way that we work is that certain other food banks are just kind of cut up differently. You know, we do all report to either a president or an executive director. But the truth is that essentially we are all doing the same work. We bring food in and we distribute it to our agency partners who then distribute it, you know, to those in need. And there are a number of other food banks in California. Probably the two closest to L.A. would be the Orange County Food Bank, which, of course, serves Orange County, and the food bank serving Riverside and San Bernardino County. So those are our two closest sister food banks. And if if we have offers of things that we just cannot accept or it's too much. Recently we were offered numerous truckloads of a certain product. Well, we could only take one truckload, which is 40,000 pounds, and it was product that would spoil. It was produce. And so Mm -hmm. we were offered 16 truckloads. Well, we couldn't move 16 truckloads before the product spoiled, so we ended up reaching out to Riverside and San Bernardino and Santa Rosa and Ventura. And just kind of, you know, that's a partnership that we have. So when there's too much of one thing, we don't want it to go to waste. That we're not going to say, mine, mine, all mine, you know. We're going to share it with other people. So even though we can't distribute it, we know that more, more than likely our sister food banks can help us with that. Oh, that's great. Where where do the – I know that when you and I first met in that parking lot and I was mentioning the LAX food pantry, and we're going to get into some of those terms and the differences of all of that, um, where do you actually get the food that you distribute from your food bank? Where do you get it from, or how do you get we it? We get it a lot of sources. Of course, the government provides us a great deal of food, and I'm sure that some of your listeners may have heard the joke about the so-called government cheese making the best mac and cheese or the best grilled cheese. <laughs> so, so we do get from the USDA, um, the, you know, the government gives us some. But that's just one product that we get from the government. They also provide us fresh fruits and vegetables, beans and rice and chicken and lamb and different things that people need. Um, we also have a number of local donors who support our efforts. And it could be produce donors, it's supermarkets, perhaps every supermarket that you can name or every store that has more than four or five locations is an affiliate of the food bank. And that even includes Amazon. And Amazon is one of our most, they're one of our newest donors, but they are also one of our most engaged donors. You know, we pick up from them six days a week. Uh, you know, General Mills, which makes yogurt, and they do the frozen biscuits and things like that. They are also a really good partner of, of ours. And then we have wow. the smaller 
mom and pop kind of, you know, people who just have, not just, but who may have a smaller organization. Maybe it's a small meat manufacturer or chicken or something. And, you know, they're also partners of ours. So we have a really extensive list of donors, and especially now with the COVID-19 crisis going on, Mm Because we are considered an essential business, our schedule has not changed. We remain the same. We open up at 5 in the morning and we close at 9 at night, Six um, well, Monday through Friday, and then there's reduced hours on Saturday. It's mostly just pickups, a few small deliveries. And our drivers are on the front line picking up donations and delivering to agencies and at senior distribution points throughout the county. And so it's it's interesting the work that we do because when you think about there's doctors and there's nurses and, you know, healthcare professionals of all you know, at all different levels, the police and the fire department and people wouldn't think that a food bank would be an essential business. But people still have to eat. Of you know, course. It's mandatory. Yeah. So yeah, we get our our product probably from almost anybody you can think of as a donor. Sure. It's it's interesting that you said this. I um, had the experience about a month or so ago, probably longer. This is before uh, COVID had even been part of what we were discussing. And I was down at the Midnight Mission down in Skid Row. And what I found so fascinating, our Rotary Club was just serving. They said that Dodger Stadium sends all of the food that that is not consumed, this is obviously during baseball season, that's not consumed that night, all goes to that midnight mission. And I just, I, I feel like, you know, however your organization, whomever that, whatever that organization is, no one, which is what you said at the top of the hour, no one wants to throw and waste food, not if you can find a way to get food out. Our homeless population wants to eat. They are the most vulnerable, and particularly now. So I think that it's it's terrific. It's an incumbent upon organizations to do this, and these big organizations that, that you've mentioned, you know, it, it's it's vital. And obviously um, keeping that food safe is important. All of those things are just I just so I'm just you know I'm just sort of thinking off the top of my head based on where we are today. What I'm curious to know, I think I might know the answer to this, is can a hungry person actually go to the food bank and get food from you directly or must they go through a different means? Well, you're absolutely right. You do know the answer. The short answer is no, because we truly are a warehouse. So the environment is not conducive for individuals who don't have the proper headgear and shoes. And we do not do direct distributions. There's you know, so many safety issues, forklifts mm-hmm. around and just a lot of different things. So on the rare instances when individuals do pop in and, and because we are in Los Angeles just a stone's throw from Vernon, which is in my opinion, the warehouse capital of LA County because yes. there's so many warehouses over there. It's very rare that we have people that walk in. But our and our 
our receptionist always advises them just to call 211 because if you call 211 and you give them your zip code, they will tell you not only the nearest distribution point to you, but they will also let you know when the next distribution time is going to occur. And so, you know, we, we especially now with COVID-19, we are very, very careful with allowing visitors to come in. We, prior to this, we would have people come and they could do a tour. We would remind them beforehand that you have to, you can't wear high heels, you have to wear closed, closed toe shoes, right. you cannot go through the warehouse unescorted. So everyone, you know, we've always had these, these safety features in mind. But now it's at the point where our receptionist team is actually even more careful and the security is even tighter than it always has been. So, um, But there's so many people out there that are willing and still able to help, even though some of our agency partners have had to shutter their doors just because the majority of their volunteers were 65 and older or they yeah. had these, you know, their um, immune systems were weakened by some point or another. And there was different reasons where they just cannot stay open. But there are some very inventive also, you know, inventive pantries that have decided, okay, well, we're going to do a drive through You're going to pop your trunk. We're going to put the product in. So there is no more choice where you can't just pick, well, I want chicken, I want beef, I want cheese, I want mozzarella. No, now the truth is, is that you have to take what we box for you because mm-hmm. the product is boxed, it's, it's safe, it's, it's, you know, it's healthy and nutritious, but now there is no client choice because we have to make sure that our volunteers are safe. So basically a lot of our agency partners are just doing a drive-through. I see. So just to be clear, it's those boxed groceries that you've just described and food, that's what you're – agency partners are doing please don't show up to your warehouse and think you're going to get a box from you guys you are the you are the procurement people that are getting these items to your agencies i do have that correct right correct you absolutely do okay and some of our agencies I know there are a couple that are still bagging food, but the box Mm -hmm. is something that's relatively new, and I'm sure that within the next month all of the agencies will be bagging, but we still will provide the frozen food, which of course won't fit in a box, won't go into the box because the boxes are all shelf-stable beans, rice, canned fruits and vegetables and things, Mm -hmm. but they will have a bag of additional product that might include meat and eggs and cheese and bread and things like that. So it really kind of depends on what the agency, what their capacity is, because remember, some agencies may not have as much refrigeration and freezer space as others. Mm-hmm. So for some, mm-hmm. it might just be, not just, but it might be boxed and shelf-stable, whereas others that have a larger capacity to provide fresh fruit and frozen meats and things like that, then you'll receive that as well. So just to personalize it to our my community with the LAX um food pantry 
they get their they get their products from you and then they I've I've been there. I've 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 watched what they've done. They put together bags for people. That's what they were doing now. I I don't know what the situation is today under these conditions. But that's where they they get them from, they get stuff from from churches they get things from all kinds of things that go to the food pantry and the food pantry then disperses it but it's it's disper- am I do I have that right so far Yes you do Okay and I'm not familiar with the LAX but I'm not in that's not my part of the world right, of food that's banking not, so I don't right. know all the agencies but yeah they some agency partners some pantries are Still backing. Mm-hmm. What's going to make that difficult, and what I've heard from some of the pantries, and including the pantry where I fellowship, is that it's you have to be six feet apart from each other. So it right. makes it really difficult to have that assembly line. Yes. And I know for the church that I attend, they already had like 200 bags back bagged up already so there was no need for them to wait until the boxes came because they were Mm -hmm. able to make their regular distribution now will they be able to will they have extra this time i don't know or will they just strictly have the boxes but i know that the boxes are in they are well done and they weigh about i would say about 20 pounds so it's enough to feed a family of three or four for about three or four days. And I think the other thing, because, you know, I I often hear myself saying and thinking, you don't know what you don't know. In my experience with the the food pantry here in Westchester is that um, it's not just people that are homeless. These are people that that have a, a place to stay, but we know that income is is drying up for so many people. I'm talking when I visited the food pantry, I was still doing my radio show in the studio. So this was like four years ago when I had that experience. This was a long time ago. Um, and I have plenty of friends that have are volunteers there. And they, like you say, they work, um, you know, um, a line where you're you're just putting the bananas in and you're just putting the canned beans in or whatever it is that you're doing and then people are coming in they have to register they have a protocol on how that the money is going directly to the people that live within what they would call their service area um it's really interesting to know moving forward how people are going to you know continue to get this food where you know you just heard today on the news when I I try to avoid it I try to limit. I don't want to avoid it because I want to be informed, but I try to limit how much news I watch. And they were saying that a lot of these organizations like Instacart and even mentioned Amazon today that have been delivering products, that that, that, that may be drying up. And so how are people that want to stay safe at home and maybe don't want to get into their local markets, you know, it, it's 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 a it's a true worry and concern for where we are today with with COVID nineteen affecting all of us. It's it is really it's it's a problem. It it truly is. It is. It mm-hmm. is. I know. I I saw that as well with Amazon and Instacart, and they are concerned. And when you think mm-hmm. about it, they truly are on the front line. Mm-hmm. And when you when you think about people that are working like that, 
if we really look at what they are making per hour and yeah. they're putting their life in danger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't they deserve the mask and the hand sanitizer and the gloves, everything that we could possibly give them? Mm-hmm. I, I know for me, I would have even, I would even give, you know, those jumpsuits that painters wear where yes. they put them on the outside of their clothes just because, and I, I tell people all the time, when you come from a supermarket or any group of people, you know, I would take my clothes off and throw mm-hmm. them in the washing machine immediately because mm-hmm. we we are living in those times now. We really have to be careful. But when you think about people who are, they have to work. There is no, well, I can't work because, you know, some of my, my rich uncle is going to pay my mortgage or my rent or whatever. These are people who have to be on the front lines. They right. have no choice. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Let's let's um, let's switch gears. I know all of a sudden you and I could talk for days because <laughs> we like each other. But I but yeah. you are so interesting, Gianna. You're so interesting, and I wanted to spend some time talking about things you do that 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 is beyond what you do at the food bank because I don't think I don't know how much sleep you get at night, but it's probably about ten minutes. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I, you are you were involved with another organization called the Drug and Crime Free Youth Foundation. I've never heard of that. Can you um, tell us about what you do as a volunteer with them and what that organization is about? Absolutely. That is a very small, very small uh, grassroots organization. And basically what they do is it's an after-school and mentoring program for youth and they also help young adults who are looking for jobs kind of like work on their resumes and give them some hints about what to do when you're in the interview process and things like that. And so it's in the Crenshaw District, which is not far from my home. Mm-hmm. And, again, a cute story about how I got involved with that. <laughs> my son thought it was a cool place to do his 40 volunteer hours. You know, when you're in high school, you have to do your hours. Well, he wasn't quite 16, so I had to drive him. And since I was mm-hmm. there, I figured, ah, go ahead. You said you have to be there anyway for a couple hours. You may as well volunteer, too. So I did. <laughs> and when my son finished his hours, I kept going. <laughs> so surprise. Oh, my goodness, I have been working with them and, and just really working with the the youth that come in, helping with the homework. When they take field trips, I'm on the field trips with them, so it's almost like I have another group of children, you know, and, and these are usually like teens or preteens. And so it's really kind of cool because, you know, I think that when you hang out with young people, they keep you young. You know yes. the lingo, you know, even if you can't do the dances, Marsha. You you know what they're supposed to look like, you know. So it's, That's so it's, cute, and it's such a cool place to be. And I just really love it. I miss it because, of course, I'm not able to to go there, and of course, they've had to close down uh, temporarily. But when they come back, I'll be there in full force. That's not I. Life, you know, life as we knew it two months ago is just not the same and 
you know, I, you and I don't have small children. We're not raising a small family. We're not a, about to have a baby in a week. We're not thinking about how am I supposed to get to my chemo. I don't really want to go to the hospital. There's all those sick people there. and um, Maybe, you know, I'm supposed to go to my dental appointment and get my teeth cleaned. I think I'll skip that. You know, we're we're all just sort of riding this, this tide together and I, that's why I just go back to, you know, not everybody does social media. I get that. And not everybody gets their news in the same way. I get that. And not everybody is anxious, and I get that. We're all different, but we all still need to eat, and we all need to be respectful. And I think, frankly, um, the fact that our our governor has made us stay at home, and hopefully that will be across for every state in this country, you know, we kind of led the way with New York in doing that. But, you know, we, we're we still human. And I, I don't know if you've noticed this in your community, but it's just wonderful to see how many people are walking their dogs because you just have to get some fresh air. That doesn't mean you have to be hugging. You know, across the street is across the street. Hi, how you doing? Is that a doodle? What kind of doodle is that? And the next thing you know, you're talking about this doodle, you know. And 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 my next door neighbor, who was a driveway over, said, "I think it's a snickerdoodle." And I said, "Oh, please!" <laughs> it was so funny. It, it was so funny. And then the other the other person said, "I think it's a what's your doodle?" So, you know, we we need we need that. We need what when you see people from around the world standing on balconies and they're all singing or they're um they're just I don't know people are being there's a woman that that uh, works at the Y I used to work at the Westchester Y and she has taken her exercise class to the streets now you don't have to be anywhere near her she has a boombox you can just watch her and you can move I've done I have not done as much moving around as I think I need to do, as I think I, wait a minute, as I know I should do and could do. So one of my goals today is um, to get out and take a walk. I think for me personally, and this is just me speaking, the fact that we are on daylight saving time and the fact that we have daylight up until here in the Los Angeles area till you know, 6.30, quarter to 7, that's good for yeah. me uh, mentally. That darkness hasn't come in at 4:30 in the afternoon. That you right. can get outside and you can move around, and you can check on your neighbors. You know, the senior population is being treated with such remarkable respect to get into that food line, to get into Costco, to to do those kinds of things. That because we are in that that. Um, sort of vulnerable state of, of where we are. But I'm looking at your your website, and, and you said something that I thought was really important. And I think what you said was, if you need to find a place for distribution for food, that you can call 211. Did I understand that right? Yes, absolutely. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think people know that, Gianna. Yes, yes, 211 is an 
excellent, excellent resource. If you're looking for food, if you're pretty much looking for anything from what I've heard. Now, I've never wow. I've never dialed 211, but mm-hmm. I know that it is, you know, that there are people that are there 24-7. And from what I understand, you're not on on hold for a long time. They pretty much ask you what type of services you need. I think if you need some help with housing or something mm-hmm. like that, you can also dial 211 and they'll direct you. So it's not just for food. And, you know, we encourage people just to, just to call them and, and see what resources yes. are available because there's plenty available there really are well i that's 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 really that's really terrific to hear wow and okay you don't know what you don't know i know that 911 is a universal number whether you live in los angeles or you live in north dakota right. is that the same for yeah. 211 I don't know, to be honest. I have to I look really that up and see if that's just regional or not. And, and and I would say this for those of you that are listening, and, and I'll see what I can find out about this too, is that, you know, if you can Google it and determine wherever you live, is, if there's a if there's a, a a dial-in number, you know that would be that's that's really important for people to know. And I I want to make sure that we get that information out for people. But in the last remaining time that we have together. I had mentioned up at the top hour as we were like, me too, me too, and me too. Um, we um, we both talked about the fact that we're Toastmasters, and I'll tell you, if you ever wanted to buy stock in something, Zoom is obviously not that I would know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> holy cow, we're like the little Brady Bunch with all these little boxes. My rotary meetings are now on Zoom every Wednesday. There were 40 of us with those little boxes. And our, it's so funny because our um, our Rotary president's first name is Brady, and we're called the Brady Bunch. It was perfect. <laughs> but I see where my Toastmasters Club tomorrow is also going to be on Zoom. And for people that don't know a lot about Toastmasters, I think this would be a great opportunity for you to tell people, because you are not just your typical Toastmaster. You are very well accomplished in the Toastmasters International. So tell people about Toastmasters. Okay. Well, basically what Toastmasters is is a professional speaking and leadership organization. And the reason that I say professional is because I think that when you join a Toastmasters club, at least it's been my experience, that they take you to that next level. Mm -hmm. And even if you've never wanted to be a professional speaker, it really helps to hold your leadership ability. When I first joined Toastmasters, I never thought that I'd be able to have this conversation with you. I was the shyest, quiet girl and ultra school. And I remember when we had our blah, 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 blah class reunion a few years ago in high school, <laughs> and, and I was introduced. One of the ladies looked, and she said, she's going to say something. <laughs> and it was so funny because the only time anyone would hear me speak was when the the teacher called on me, and of course I knew the right answer, so <laughs> it was kind of interesting. But Toastmasters has really provided me the opportunity to really learn how to find my voice. Before then, I didn't have a voice in, in meetings. I didn't speak up, even if I had an idea that I thought would be would really work. I never said anything. 
and then I joined Toastmasters, and I really learned that you don't have to blurt out everything that comes through your head, but if you have something that you really feel can contribute to the conversation, it teaches you how to frame it in a way that is not accusing anyone or that making you making people feel that you're a smarty pants or whatever, but they teach you these subtleties of public speaking or just speaking that allow you to develop this confidence. And that's what I love, love about Toastmasters. Meet. I do as well. And it's really funny. I've I've never been afraid to talk. Oh, really, that's a shock. But but what I did learn, what I did learn is those what we call in Toastmasters those filler words, the ums, Fillers. the ands, the and sos, and you knows. We we pay attention to that, not to be judgmental by any means. I would completely agree with you. It's not a judgment. It is an opportunity, and there's a big difference between the two because you could continue to go to Toastmasters and not make any changes. It's I tell people that don't know about Toastmasters, it's kind of like scouts, kind of like. Very good, Marcia. It's like scouts. <laughs> I, when I talk about Toastmasters and then I hear my myself do that, it's like, hello. What <laughs> Toastmasters is like is scouts. If you've ever been in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts yeah. or anything that allowed you to get an achievement. We have yeah. those kinds of achievements in Toastmasters. It could be anything from vocal variety, like hello, to, oh, well, whatever, to uh, inspirational, comedic. Right. I've competed. Yeah. You've competed. Yeah, it allows have. those. Have you What? You have not competed? Uh, I have once, but I've never taken it. I, no, I have competed, but oh, I've never yeah. been able to take it to that level of the best speaker in the world. <laughs> well, and you know what? It's not really my goal. But I would say that I have met so many interesting people. And in our Toastmasters Club, which I think you belong to, I wasn't there when you were there, we had so many non-English first language members yeah. of our club. English was their second language. And they yeah. added yeah. so much, so much to our club just by virtue of their background and why they wanted to improve. Many of these people really were looking for professional advancement, being able not only right. to speak well, but before you can speak well, it helps if you can write well. If you can't think it, you can't speak it. And while, yes, we know about the different uh, times where you've got two minutes to get that thought out or, or whatever, you know, the, how your clubs are organized, how they're all organized, because it is international. And I would say that if somebody is at home feeling like, feeling a little bit restless, we know that meetups for, for the most part are over as far as physically right. meeting up. But because of all of these organizations that you might find interesting, interesting, check out your local Toastmasters Club where you live. You know, Google search them and see if indeed they are having a Zoom. You and people that don't know a little bit about Zoom, I would just say this: you can really observe a Zoom call without showing your face, 
and without speaking, but you can hear it. There are lots of different things on Zoom. Our Chamber of Commerce is very big into Zoom. I'm going to be presenting at a Zoom thing tomorrow for my Chamber of Commerce. So there are lots of things that we can do besides doing a jigsaw puzzle, besides taking the dog for the walk. There are lots of things we can do. Uh, Maybe I'll decide to cook. It's not likely. But there are things that (laughs) – I'm just saying this is the truth – but there are lots of things that we can do. And I I noticed that on Facebook this morning somebody posted something about, let's send this across our Facebook friends. Post a picture of a landscape. Don't, don't identify where it's from. Just post it and just share it. And I'm finding that people are doing that. It's like, whoa. You know, don't 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 say where it was. I my picture was from the Victoria Falls in South Africa. I I know that's where it was from. It's not really important that anybody else really knows where it's from. It's more about a connection. It's more about that's a beautiful picture. Oh, look at that. That's a I wonder where that was. You know, I think that we can use some very very creative ways of of staying in touch with each other. And I think that I, I I mean I don't know this so let let me let me really ask this question to you. Under normal circumstances, I know that you're always interested in having volunteers. As it stands today, I, I, are there volunteer opportunities today or not really? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, we great. Are working on making sure that we have masks and gloves and disinfectant and everything that our volunteers need. We have noticed a decrease in volunteers, but they are still needed, not to the capacity that they were two or three months ago, but we are still looking for them. And at www.lafoodbank.org, check us out. There's so much information there if you're looking to volunteer or even not not necessarily at the food bank. Perhaps there's a pantry that's close to you. Perhaps you live close to the LAX food pantry or right. a pantry in Inglewood or someplace else. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many opportunities, like you said, for us to connect with each other. This conversation, you know, we'll we'll pass it out, we'll we'll share it with other people and hope that people will just like take a moment to reach out to someone that you haven't connected with in a while. Just to check on See how they're doing. I didn't want anything. I just wanted to call and say, how are you? And if you have something extra, I was giving bleach out to some of my neighbors the other day because they said they didn't have any, and a friend brought me a case of bleach. Well, I know I like my house clean, but I didn't need a case, you know. Right. And so I was happy to share. I had a couple of extra bottles of hand sanitizer. I don't need them. I'm working from home, so most of my sanitizing is going to be in my bathroom washing my hands. Washing your hands. So I was able to right. share them, absolutely. Your website is fabulous. I'm I'm looking at just your volunteer page, individuals, groups of five or more, top volunteers, volunteer at a pantry, and ambassadors. Who are these ambassadors? Tell me about the ambassadors. What do they do? These are people who put together groups. It could be someone from a company as large as Disney or Marsha, Marsha, Marsha's group. 
five people from your your neighborhood nice. or your block. Show. So you might decide you want to celebrate your birthday with bringing five friends to the food bank or to a neighborhood mm-hmm. food pantry. You are a, uh, an ambassador. That's neat. It's it's a it's a really nice it's a really nice um, website. There's all kinds of things about the programs and services, finding food, stories. You know me, I'm a story collector. I really would encourage people to, to visit it. But at the same token, I would also encourage you to also visit your your Feeding America because those of you that don't live here, you know, you're not going to be, be an ambassador to the regional food bank here in Los Angeles County. But you could maybe do something somewhere else to help somebody else. So I I think that however we can support one another is so very vital today, even like you say and like we both have agreed, just picking up the phone and checking on somebody. It doesn't have to be an old person. Young people are are really struggling. A lot of these families are emotionally struggling. Their ki- their kids are home from school. They're bored. They want to go out. They want to play. They don't understand why can't you? Why can't Susie come over? You know, it's a lot for a little kid to try and to take in. They don't. You don't want them watching the news in the third grade. You know, I mean, you want them to wash their hands, and you can certainly make that a game. But I I mean we're. We're, what do they say? We're in it to win it, and that is is truly um, the call to action. Is that it's not going to go away anytime soon. We all know that. We hope that that it doesn't last forever, and that there there's there's going to be ways of combating this for us. But in the meantime, you know, there's that. What's who I who sang that sound? Reach out and touch somebody's hands. Who sang that? Reach yeah. out and oh, touch. I think- Yes, I, I could see her face, but I don't. I, I can know too. Her name off the top of my head. Yes. Oh my gosh! Oh. You know, there's That's a lot horrible. of music. Uh, there's a lot of music that can be connected to what we're doing, and yeah. whether you are a blogger like I am, or you're a podcaster like I am, or whatever it is that you do, Dionne just know Warwick. that. Pardon me, Dion Warwick. That's who it was. Warwick. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's it's true. That we do need to reach out and touch, not physically, but emotionally. And um, and people that are doing what you're doing and people that are doing what I'm doing, we're just doing our part. And if I hadn't have tripped with my cute little converse on the other couple months ago, and if you hadn't have reached out with your voice and said, are you okay, you know, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation today. So things happen for reasons. And I like to look at the bright side of life, which is that Monty Python, you know, from Spamalot. Yes. Always look at the bright side of life. Let's let's. <laughs> I know it is sometimes that's easier said than done. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that this is easy because it's not. It is not easy. There's nothing easy about this. But um, with a little bit of yoga breathing and taking a deep breath and and trying to center ourselves, we will get through this. And um, I'm just so, so grateful that you have spent this time with me and and helped educate those that are listening what it is that the good work that you are doing at the L.A. um, 
um, Regional Food Bank. I, I'm so grateful for having you join me today, Gianna. I'm looking forward to really giving well, you a I'm hug so when this is over. <laughs> yes, same here. I am so happy that we had this time together. And like you, I'm looking forward to us having coffee or tea, sitting right. down, putting our chucks up and relaxing. Yeah, Taking a deep Yes, indeed. So in the meantime, to all of you out there in podcast land, please take care of yourself and the ones you love and however it is you can do that, whether it's who you're living with or who you're reaching out to. And we will we will get through this. And I'm very excited about next week's show. I have a very special guest um, joining me next week. His name is David Blue, and he's the creator of the art of self-regulation. And I can't even begin to tell you how valuable this show is going to be for our bodies and our spirits. And I'm very anxious. This will be Dave's, I think, second time on my show. I've had a lot of repeat people, and perhaps you'll be one of those people as well. Well, you'll give us an update when we get towards the end of the year and how things are going, Gianna. But for for, for now, I just wish you all uh, a pleasant afternoon. And thank you once again so much for being a guest on my show. (sighs) Okay. Bye, everybody.